0: This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated to the memory of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Talking about Roddy Piper. (laughs) Talking about how he is worldwide championship wrestling.
1: (laughs) Hot Rod here. Yeah.
0: Says, Piper's nothing but a has-been. Well, you see, let me tell you something, boy. While your mama was sending you to college, become a great amateur wrestler, while she was more peanut butter on your sandwich, Buzzy, are you okay, Buzzy? While she was whisking you off to school, Jack, I was on my own making myself a living being a professional wrestler. 29 years old now in my
1: prime. You think I ain't paid some dues, Jack? I've been to the whipping post more than once. I've had
0: Valentine. I can't hear out of this
2: ear no more. (laughs) It don't work. Of course, I don't suppose you'd know what that's like. (laughs)
0: They've worked in
2: and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime
1: Pod and Chad, the two men!
0: Man, power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a cat subscription box service full of surprises delivered to your door every month. And stay tuned for a special offer just for our listeners, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I am brought to you by Meowbox with my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John, how are you?
2: I'm doing pretty damn good. How are you doing,
0: buddy? Oh, I'm doing very well, and we had to start off on a somber note there uh, with a dedication to Rowdy Roddy Piper, and of course, this episode is featuring Roderick Strong, so a slight connection there uh, and a namesake, but a few minutes, if we can, about Rowdy Roddy Piper. John, you and I were actually on the phone uh, going over some show notes when we got the news. I'm still kind of uh, in shock over the sudden loss of Piper, but... Uh, I mean, if we can, let's talk. Let's talk about the good times. What are some of your favorite memories of Roddy Piper?
2: First thing that comes to mind whenever you think about Roddy Piper, I mean, obviously besides kilts and his awesome promo skills and Piper spit and all that stuff, but as far as feuds, think of Rod himself with thinking of Hulk and then epic rivalry from the '80s, and even when they had it for feud in WCW in the '90s, I still loved it but just an epic, epic feud, and, uh, it, you know, they were complete opposites when I mean, you was know, the monster of a man. Piper, not so big, but boy, could he talk, and boy, could he fight, and boy, he had, he had some great punches, but really think about it, these guys are opposites, but something clicked with them, and they were just an awesome feud, and they were just money, 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 and they made the WWF a lot of money, and obviously, Hot Rod made him a lot of money, and, that feud will never be forgotten by me because it was one of those feuds when I was growing up that really got me you know, hooked on wrestling.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. You can romance the era of pro wrestling and what you got into it. And, of course, for both of us, it's that Rockland Wrestling era and Piper being just the number one bad guy and then coming over being pretty much the number two uh, face good guy before uh, Macho Man really uh, stepped in for him when he retired in 1987 – but I got to say, with Piper, for me, I mean, it's it's so hard to pick one single moment that really stands out about him. I did love that comeback to WCW in 1996, only because that, to me, that almost really cemented the fact that WCW was really taking over the wrestling business because they had Hall and Nash come over, Hogan turns heel, the NWO is dominated, and the guy to come in and stop them was Roddy Piper. I mean, I was completely floored by that, but. It was really any time the bagpipes were hit, any time the first beats came, you knew business was going to pick up, and he'd come around that corner, or he'd come through that curtain, and that look that he'd give you, and I was reminiscing with you and a couple other people and saying that Hulk Hogan Appreciation Night or Birthday Party, whatever they did last summer, where uh, he comes out, and just the look he gives Hogan, it just is priceless, and it will be sorely, sorely missed, That we'll never see the hot rod ever again uh, on not only your live television, but, you know, obviously ever. And that's just its so unfortunate. He's sorely missed already. And uh, it was great to see all the Ronda Rousey stuff over the weekend with the dedication to Piper, and his memory will live on. But, John, any closing points on the hot rod before we head over to Roderick Strong?
2: I was just going to say that was great. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see some WWE tribute coming up too. But that was just great over the weekend with uh Rowdy, Ronda Rousey has she really um after she destroyed the that, that, that girl on bet or whatever the hell her name is who cares she lost in thirty seconds, but um <laughs> she was very emotional afterwards and uh said it was for the hot rod and everything else so that was really really good to see and um you know with Piper it's funny one thing uh, I'll never forget about him just you know from from a fan aspect is any time he would cut a promo. You just never knew what he was going to say. He was the most unpredictable guy, and that's the guy. When you're watching the TV, you don't look away, you don't look down, you're not like you know, falling around on your phone or whatever. When Piper was out there talking, you were you were enthralled with what he was saying. You were so focused on the hot rod because you just never knew what he was going to say, and then he would say something off the wall, crazy that he probably wasn't supposed to say, or you know, or, or it seemed like it was totally off the script or off the cuff. And that's one of the things I always remember about hot is You'll never see another guy like that. Just totally unpredictable and just such a good talker that he'll just have you staring at the screen with your mouth open saying, what is this guy going to say next?
0: Yeah, very well said. Completely agree with you. He's uh, up there on my all-time favorites. I'd say he holds a nice uh, number two, but uh, it's always going to be – it's going to be really hard to not see the hot rod. But let's not take away from today's guest, and that is – Roderick Strong, Mr. ROH. Uh, John, you had the opportunity to have a nice long chat with Roddy, just the two of you. And uh, from what I've heard so far, it is fantastic. But why don't you talk about the fact that this guy is having some of the best matches on planet Earth right now. And really, I guess he might be considered uh, one of the most underrated wrestlers in the game. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your talk with Roderick Strong.
2: Yeah, when I started talking to him, I basically saying, for a while now, he's kind of under the radar, but he's been the MVP of Ring of Honor. No doubt. You would say that uh, Jay Briscoe has been having great matches, Adam Cole or whoever, but the MVP has really been a Roddy Strong. He's been having good matches nonstop with every, basically everybody on in the ring with. And then most recently, just had a 60-minute Ironman match, well, iron Man match, 60-minute draw, excuse me, with uh, Jay Lethal that was just off the charts awesome, and I can't wait him to get his rematch on the
0: 21st of August
2: in Philly against lethal for the title.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh he's really putting together a hell of a run, uh, the last couple months of just really stepping up his game, being one of the spotlighted guys. And it's so great because he's always been a member of the roster that you just, you love to watch his matches. And you made a point to me, which is great is that the last couple shows that you've gone to, uh, he's had the best match of the night. And that's, not that uh, easy to do when you've got a roster such as Ring of Honor, but is there any match in particular that stands out to you as your favorite that you've seen live and were able to actually uh, talk about with him on this conversation?
2: Yeah, it's funny because um, one of his most recent ones that I went to was uh, was the uh, World of Worlds show, uh, show for Ring of Honor against New Japan in Philly, and he faced uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who obviously is one of the best wrestlers ever. And uh, they were having a hell of a match and all of a sudden, boom, uh, Roddy gets cut open, uh, by Tanahashi and the blood's going crazy. There's a doctor at Ringside getting nervous, Steve Carino was getting nervous at ringside, you know, thinking about maybe possibly stopping the match, but Roddy wouldn't let that happen. And he you know, he goes into full detail about what happened, how you know, how he got cut open, how badly he was bleeding, you know, how bad the cut was and everything else. And it was just awesome um, to see that match live because the match was with all the blood that was coming out of his head. It was just, it was an awesome match. And then on top of it, he's wrestling Tanahashi, one of the greatest wrestlers going. So it just added to the match even more.
0: It was awesome. No, that's very cool. And I'm glad that uh, you guys were able to talk about that. Because even to uh, reference our Steve Carino interview, he was talking about that being the match out of all those shows that really stood out to him. And he was so proud of how Roddy stepped up and, and really took the ball with uh with that little group of uh you know, those shows that they did that were just on another planet in terms of the electricity, but you got to talk about his whole entire ROH run, which is of course we know is your wheelhouse. You got to talk about his running TNA, but I thought this one was uh was pretty good and that was how he got into the business. That seemed to me uh like that was one of your favorite parts of uh, the whole entire interview. Oh man. Excuse me for a second.
2: Um his story about getting into the business is so unique and you'll never hear another story like it. It's just amazing. And it's it basically has to do with Jimmy and Jimmy Anvil has to do with his father and, and basically him being very young and getting into the business. So you really, really want to sit through for that. It's so good. And it's so amazing. He took a really bad situation. He turned it into a really positive one. And it's so unique that I doubt you'll ever hear another story about how somebody got into the business like that. Again, it was just, and when he told it to me, I was like in shock because I didn't really – I knew uh, that Jim Neider was part of his training stuff, but I didn't really know the details of Roderick Strong's father getting into business and so on. So it was really amazing to hear that story. It was a really,
0: really, uh, really cool story from Roddy. Yeah, that's really cool. And actually, on the contrary, whereas that's such a great story, just to touch on the TNA run again, the TNA run definitely filled – with uh, I, I would say disappointment because of the uh, infamous snow story, uh, snow excuse me snowstorm that led to his uh, release by TNA about ten years ago. Um, he's had such great moments the last few years. It's hard to believe that TNA dropped the ball yet again when it came to a talent like uh, Roderick Shaw, because they really cut him off at the pass because he was getting a pretty good push and TNA, from what I remember, and uh, just unfortunate that they dropped the ball and only brought him in one other time since then, um, but it seems to me uh, he's flourishing on his own.
2: Uh, definitely. I mean, TNA, obviously, you know, they're, they're a different story for a different day with all the issues that they have and all the talent that they've let go over the years, so, you know, no surprise that another talent that they've kind of mishandled or misused, but... As far as uh, him with Ring of Honor, it's awesome. He's facing Okada coming up August 22nd in Brooklyn, which should be just amazing. Uh, Okada, you know, obviously he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, but he's the IWGP champion in the day or in Philly for the ROH world title. He will be facing Jay Lethal. So he's got two days back-to-back coming up the 21st and 22nd. That could be two of the biggest nights of his career.
0: Yeah, very well said. I uh, I completely agree, and best of luck, of course, to Roderick Strong. But, John, before we throw it over to the interview, and before we get into a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Meowbox. And right now, if you go to Meowbox.com and enter the code POWERTRIP10 in all capital letters, you're going to get 10% off your first subscription with Meowbox, and that is a special brought to you by Meowbox for the two-man power trip of wrestling We love having Meowbox on board, and of course, if you need anything, whether it's your cat subscription uh, needs to be fulfilled with treats, toys, whatever you need, PowerTrip10, throw that promo code into Meowbox.com, and that's going to do the trick, but if of are going to do the trick, how about your little friend there next to you? Does she love her Meowbox?
2: Oh, she definitely does. most important
0: thing for picky cats like mine,
2: Lucy, who's right here. Looks like she wants to go eat right now, but she does have a very special diet. Now, with that diet, you know, she can only eat certain things. So with the Meow Box, you can have the option to receive Meow Boxes with absolutely no edible items. They actually replace the food and treats with more toys and more surprises, which she loves. And not only that, with Meow Box, if you buy one, you also get one can of food donated to a shelter cat on your behalf. It's called One Box Can, and that's just something great that they do to give back. Also, with your Meow Box, it is personalized by hand with the cat's name written on the inside. And all those items that I mentioned before go on the route, they're made in a great old the U.S. of A. or Canada. So, unlike some other companies, you actually know where the ingredients are coming from. Now, that is meowbox.com. Please enter promo code powertrip10 and receive 10% off your first subscription. Again, it's meowbox.com and please enter promo code powertrip10. TMPT business. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We just put up a great clip with Frankie Gazarian talking about Christopher Daniels. We also put one up recently with the Ugandan giant Kamala talking about Hulk Hogan's racism or lack thereof. And this mcmahon's racism or possibly not so check that out listen to that that's a good one we also have some great clips from kane jim ross jesse ventura ken shamrock and so much more and please subscribe to us on itunes leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback recently we've been getting a crazy amount of feedback and it's all been positive so we love that please keep sending in your feedback through itunes we love to hear your reviews also, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at wrestlingtown and at Two Man Power Trip, and of course, the website is Wrestling dot com. That is Wrestling dot com. And now, without any further ado, it is a great episode that we did with the Messiah of the Backbreaker, former Triple Crown Champ in ROH. He is the MVP of Ring of Honor. He is, in fact, Mister ROH. He is a man that is to be gunning for not only Jay Lethal, but for Kazuchika Okada very, very soon. Folks, please enjoy our interview with Roderick Strong. is Mr. ROH himself, the Messiah of the Backbreaker, former ROH World Champion, former ROH Tag Team Champion, former ROH TV Champion, the current PWG World Champion, and a three-time FIP World Champion. He is Mr. Roderick Strong. Roddy, how you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I am doing well. And first thing is first, I, I gotta talk about it because uh it is red hot right now. It's all over the internet, it's you know, all everybody's talking about it. Your feud with Jay Lethal in the match, you guys just had sixty minute draw at Death Before Dishonor in Baltimore. Can you tell us a little bit about that epic confrontation? I mean, What is uh
1: what do you want to know about it? It was two guys going out there with something to prove and uh nothing got settled. But, you know, fortunately for me and I know Jay Lethal's probably not happy about this, is uh August twenty first, I have my rematch,
2: we can finally
1: finally settle this.
2: Now with uh Jay Lethal obviously it just seems like you guys have uh a great chemistry together. I mean you guys always seem to be having good matches. What is it about Jay Lethal that matches so you know, matches up so well with you? You know, I I think it's the ability to be aggressive.
1: And you because know, you know, I've said I said in promos and, and so on and so forth that I like to push the pace and I really do. Inside of the ring there's certain times where I really like to just challenge my opponent. And not not in a bad way to, to try to embarrass them or anything, but I like to up the physicality and up the aggression. And I think, you know, Jay's a classic wrestler like me in the sense that, you know, you feed off of that and you respond to it well. Because, you know, he's a great, fantastic professional wrestler that really loves the sport and understands it. And, you know, I feel I'm the same. In that sense and a lot of, a lot of it's reaction based and I think that's what makes you know our chemistry so
2: unique. Now as you mentioned August twenty first uh, Ring of Honor is gonna be back at the old arena over there on uh, twenty three hundred arena if you will in Philly, big show. What can we expect from the uh, Jay Lethal Roddy Strong title match? Uh I think uh, uh physicality. I
1: think uh it's going to be a lot more intense than our first matchup because obviously we didn't settle what we needed to settle and we're, you know when you when you have a first matchup like that in this kind of situation and you set the bar that high for yourself, you know, it's a challenge for you to go in there and see if you can top it. But the thing, you know, that's great is going in there with somebody as great as Jay Lethal where we're very competitive and we want to be considered the best in the world. Both of us do what we do. So I think we're going to try to make that, you know, even better but different, you know. So I, I think it's going to be another unique matchup that uh, hopefully people are talking about for years to come.
2: And actually, the day after, August 22nd, at a Brooklyn Cyclones Park, you will be facing the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada, in another huge matchup you against a world champion. What's it going to be like wrestling him one-on-one?
1: Uh, you know, it's going to be another another situation of, of facing somebody that many people consider the best or one of the best in the world, and man I'm a competitive person so for me to see the matchups he's had with other people and just you know the type of wrestler he is it, you know it's a challenge for me to go in there and try to top the stuff that he's done with other people all around the world and you know have people talking about us you know having one of the best matchups in ring of honor history if not in the world and you know to prove that you know, I'm one of the best wrestlers currently participating professional wrestling
2: today. You know, it's, it that's definitely true because I I said this to myself, you know, just thinking about it and I and I read it online and then I read that Gabe Sapolsky uh, said something similar. It was that you're not he didn't say anything about ROH in particular, but you're basically the M V P of R O H and he was making a, a statement you're the M V P of uh, of Evolve and uh, Dragon Gate USA But you know we're basically the same thought that you really like stepped it up into maybe even another level where you're definitely one of the top guys. Do you see yourself almost as like the MVP of Ring of Honor right now?
1: (laughs) Man, I honestly, the way I look at stuff is I go out there and I do my job. And my goal when I started wrestling was to do it at the highest level possible. And I feel, you know, I'm just starting to hit like the prime of my career. And, And for people to consider what I've been doing, you know, to be, to be the MVP or the best year of my career, uh, I mean, it makes me happy, but it also motivates me to make the rest of this year and the rest of my career even better. I always am hard on myself and I'm trying to you know, just improve as much as I possibly can. So, I mean, if it's up to me, you know, you guys have seen nothing yet.
2: Hmm. That's good news because, uh Back, uh, I guess a couple of months ago, War of the Worlds in Philly, I actually had the privilege of being first row and sitting there, you know, as close as I can be, you versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, one of the best wrestlers of all time, and I just sat, sit there thinking, man, it's like, this match is going to be great, and then boom, you get cut open, you know, you're bleeding like crazy, I see Karino getting nervous, I see the doctor getting nervous, but you know, obviously the match doesn't stop. And it just enhanced the match, and the match was awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about that match, and actually what happened that you got cut open?
1: Uh, the, that's one of the things I love about professional wrestling, is because you, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. I understand people feel like, you know, wrestling is what it is, but there's little things that end up happening like that. I had like a similar situation happen to me when I went to the guardrail and sliced my head open when I was wrestling Jerry Lynn uh, for the ring of honor world title when he was champion in Dayton, Ohio, where something like that happened. And with the blood and the story that was being told, it just made it a thousand times better and far more intense. And with that, uh, he just did a flying forearm off the, off the ropes. And I ducked my head in the point of his elbow to see me on the top of my head, which obviously I have a softer head than I thought I did. And, uh, just kind of cut me open in like a perfect little triangle. Looks like a little slice of pizza, the scar. It's pretty funny. Huh. But it's just one of those things, man. Uh, like I was saying with Jay Lethal about how, you know, physicality and stuff, how it raises the emotion and it makes it real. And once, you know, not like it wasn't, it's not like that to me all the time, but when stuff like that happens, and just to hear people's reactions and understand, you know, when they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. And, for me, I just like go into like, this other realm of reality, and it becomes so real and emotional to me. And you know, stuff like that just uh, really changes the landscape
2: and brings out something unique. I feel. What was it like to be able to get in the ring with Tanahashi? Because everything you said is so true, and then you throw it uh, you know throw it in there like this guy might be the most popular wrestler in Japan. He might be one of the best wrestlers in the world.
1: Well, you know, I had the opportunity to wrestle with him uh, one time prior to that, so, and that was back in the day when I was with TNA, and he had came in and done a, done a couple shows. So, it was it was just as I go back to just like a test for myself because I know how popular he is and all the the epic matches he's had over there. But you know, when he steps into a Ring of Honor ring, I take a lot of pride in in Ring of Honor and with what I do, you know, and I, I wear that badge of honor, like, and hold it to the highest regard, so I want, you know, any person that comes into a Ring of Honor ring and understand when they face me, they're facing the best Ring of Honor talent that they possibly can, because I know I am, uh, you know, a spokesman for Ring of Honor, so it was amazing, man, it's just one of those things where, you know, after a matchup like that's done, you realize, like, yeah, I can do it on that type of level with those kinds of guys every single night, and it doesn't matter. And it's something that just pushes and motivates me more to continue to improve and, you know, possibly have the opportunity to do that
2: over in Japan with them. Yes, it'd be awesome. And I can't mention Tanahashi Nokata without mentioning the third huge member of New Japan Pro Wrestling, who might be actually the most, could be possibly the most popular of the whole bunch. But that's uh, Shinsuke Nakamura And you actually had the pleasure of wrestling him In uh, England for Rev uh, Pro And in ROH uh, Recently on the last tour So what was it like wrestling In such a unique enigma Like uh, Nakamura
1: That was
2: awesome And uh, you know I was lucky to
1: To be able to wrestle Him in front of two totally different crowds Too so uh, You know it's unique in the sense of his mannerisms, the type of athlete he is, but he's he's very creative and extremely entertaining to watch, and I feel, uh, you know, he's another guy. Like, the more I work with him, the more, you know, the, the better it could possibly be. And, and like you said, it was a privilege and an honor, but it's also, you know, one where, once again, I go out there to prove that, you know, I'm as good as I think I am, and I, and I should be wrestling these guys, all the time, so you know I really enjoyed it, and I hope to do it again soon.
2: Now, also you wrestled a uh, uh, Kashida, who's another uh, great, great uh, New Japan wrestler, current IWGP Junior Champ. But what do you think about the relationship between New Japan and Ring of Honor? Do you like how it's going, where Elgin is now in the G One, and you know the Red Dragon is over there once in a while, the Kingdoms over there.
1: You I love it. This,
2: uh, mashup. I, I love it.
1: I love it. I mean who wouldn't love the two best wrestling companies in the world working together and bringing the best town in the world together with unique matches that uh, have people talking for a long time. I think uh, what we've seen is just the start of a fantastic relationship. And I think next year is going to be pretty interesting and we're going to blow some people's minds with things that they, they possibly you know have lined up. I mean, don't have details to anything, but I know you know everything's good, and next year is going to be huge.
2: I love the sound of that. I can't wait to find out. You know more details on that as we get closer to the next year. But speaking of huge yeah, me news too. recently, <laughs> well, uh, speaking of huge news recently, actually, that has to do with you. You have re-signed with the uh, Ring of Honor. How long is the uh, you know is the deal for?
1: It's for a year. It's for one year. It was, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, it's interesting, but it's nice to uh, to finally work something out with them. You know, I feel Ring of Honor is, you know, continuing to grow, and just the opportunity to help move it forward, it's something I've always said, like, since I started with Ring of Honor, it's been a thing where people were like, if we can get more eyes on this thing, it's going to, you know, it's. It's going to do do so great, and I, I carry that same pride in the product now, maybe even a little bit more so since, you know, we've weathered multiple storms to get where we're at, and I just respect and love the company so much. I want to do all I can as a performer to help take it to that next level.
2: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, pay-per-views uh, on Destination America, obviously Sinclair has it syndicated everywhere but if I could rewind a little bit to your, basically not your debut in ring of honor, but something that really made you stand out. And it was you and Jack Evans and Aries and Shelley when you guys formed generation next, you just talk about how that, you know, that group came together and how you guys, you know, basically became very popular very quickly.
1: Yeah. And that was Gabe Sapolsky's idea. And, uh, it was one of those situations where Ring of Honor was struggling and they needed something to help, you know, boost, you know, boost attention or boost ticket sales, boost DVD sales. And, I mean, Gabe said it before. And and it's one of those things where it's amazing to me still to this day about how Generation Next helped save Ring of Honor. And, you know, it, it's something that's not talked about too often, but it's still amazing to me that, the thought of that, that I had an opportunity to debut for a company and then, you know, be put right, right in the, you know, right into battle, you know, guns blazing with the, some of the best wrestlers on the roster and, you know, Gabe had the faith in us and that, and that's one thing I can never thank Gabe enough for is just having faith in all of us, you know, all four of us and just letting us, you know, entrusting us to go do our thing. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was fun. It was a fun ride.
2: It's funny. We talked to uh, H. Steel not so long ago, and we mentioned how kind of the Generation Next uh, Second City Saints you kind of really pumped you guys up, but he was saying that, you know, he, they, they were kind of lucky to be wrestling you guys because you guys make them look good because, you know, maybe you weren't as well-known at the time, but you guys were all, you know, really good professional wrestlers.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it was such a it was such a give give and take relationship working with those guys because you know they knew how important the angle was and we had a lot of pressure you know putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to be able to perform to their level i mean because those guys were established and they're great performers so you know we had to know that every time we stepped in the ring with them that we had to up our game and it's guys you know like ace punk cabana all those guys that just help you know make a lot of us better i know me personally uh those guys had a lot of influence on me and worked with me quite a bit, and I can't thank those guys enough.
2: When you were wrestling CM Punk at at that point, did you see him becoming, you know, as big as he did? I mean, obviously, now he's in the UFC, and he's doing his own different thing, but when he was in the WB, he became a champion for 434 days or whatever it was. Did you see him becoming as big as he became?
1: Yeah, of course, man. That's the thing I love about Punk, is he was just one of those guys that, You know, he's always stuck to his guns no matter what. He's always been true to himself and there was no question if given the opportunity that he would, you know, become successful. You know, once once you're hurt, you have that undeniable personality, that undeniable characteristic in yourself where it's like if you just needed like a little opening in that door and you're going to fucking drop kick that thing in. You know, that's how, how punk was and that, You know that kind of attitude is contagious as well, and makes the guys around you want to want to bust their ass and work as hard as they possibly can. So, I knew I knew Punk would be successful, and I still think Punk will be successful at anything he does.
2: Another guy that that you had an awesome feud with that obviously became as big of a star as Punk did, and that. Daniel Bryan, but as you were wrestling him in Ring of Honor was Bryan Danielson. Did you see him, because, you know, he doesn't really, maybe so, so much so with Punk too, but did you see him becoming as big as he became? Because, you know, he's not the biggest guy. I mean, obviously one of the best wrestlers ever, but, you know, for WWE, did you see him succeeding there? I mean, he's
1: another guy where, and I feel this is kind of you know, for the guys that stuck around the Indies for X amount of years or traveled the world and really like performed at a high level for a good amount of time that have real passion and love for the business. I know there's a lot of people out there that wrestle and say they love wrestling and it's their weekend hobby and they, you know, they may do, you know, international stuff here and there, but people that are on that constant grind of just trying to improve and going all over the world, I think, They'll all be successful in the WWE. I don't think there's any doubt that those guys would be successful or anybody else, you know. I think Samoa Joe is going to be successful. Look at, you know, Tyler Black, guys that, you know, I think with the right heart and the
2: right passion and drive, there's there's no denying,
1: you know, success.
2: With you and Brian Anderson, I mean, I just remember back, I mean, you guys are having forty-five minute wars, fifty-minute matches. It just seemed like the chemistry was there, and you guys could literally wrestle almost, you know, almost an hour, or, or you know, you guys go you have a very, very long match, and you know, there's no limit to what you guys could do in the ring. But do you sense the chemistry with him? You know, as much as everyone else was praising your high-quality matches together.
1: Yeah, of course. Brian was someone that uh, kind of like with Jay Lethal.
2: I was stating like.
1: A lot of reaction, and Brian's fantastic at that. And with Brian being so calm, and me kind of being calm as well, but my physicality brought out physicality in him, and I just think we pushed each other to be better when we were in there. And I think that, uh, you know, that is what people like so much about it, and that's like when you get in those situations, you have that unique chemistry of, like, just pushing each other to the absolute limit and, you know, doing it for the better of the match. And, you know, it's just one of those extremely satisfying things when, you know, still to this day people talk about those matches. And I hope for the, you know, for however long they do, because there's a, I take a lot of pride in, in what me and Brian did. And, I you know, I hope he does the same.
2: Now there's another guy that you feuded with in ROH that now that I think about it, because I believe I was at the show, and that's that's uh, James Gibson. But I think at that point, I think he, uh, which is funny because I said you were the MVP now, but I think he actually called you during your feud with him, um, the MVP of Ring of Honor, uh, now that now that I think back about it. But what was it like feuding with James Gibson at that time? Because I, I felt like that really puts you on the map as like the main eventer. It's like, wow, look at these two, you know, the awesome veteran against the youngster and, and just the chemistry you two had.
1: Yeah, he ended up being like a real-life mentor to me. And he taught me a lot about you know, wrestling, just in inside and outside of the ring. The funny thing is, is back when I started wrestling, like on the Florida Indies, because I had been around it as like a kid, but once I turned 18 and I, well, 17, whatever, and I graduated from high school, I started working with a company, IPW Hardcore, down here. And Jamie had wrestled for them before as Jamie Howard. And people used to call me Little Jamie Howard. And I just thought <laughs> it was so funny that eventually you know, four years later, he would end up being my mentor, and I had the opportunity to work with him, and just learn so much about everything, man, it was amazing, and that's another guy, it just, you know, I, I work a very physical, aggressive style, and he's another guy that does the same, and he, he wrestles with emotion, and that was something that, you know, made our matches so good, because we're both emotional guys, they're going to go out there, and and push you, and push you, and push you, and uh, both of us are up for the challenge.
2: That was a great, great feud, and another great moment you had in Ring of Honor. I mean, I feel like there's so many of them, but when you beat Tyler Black for the ROH title, and now obviously Tyler Black is Seth Rollins in the WWE, and is actually the current world champion, but what was it like, you know, being able to actually be anointed the top guy in Ring of Honor? And- them christening you the world heavyweight champ?
1: Uh, you know, it was amazing. It was also one of those bittersweet things because you hear, all, like, for the next few months after, there were so many rumblings about, I only won the title because Tyler was leaving. In my contract, I demanded that there be, you know, I win the world title, blah, 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 blah. So it was one of those, like, bittersweet but put a chip on my shoulder. And if you go back, and I take pride in that title run, in a sense that I wrestled with a fucking mission. Sorry about cursing. But just a mission <laughs> to go out there, perform, and just, you know, blow everyone's minds. And that, you know, I took a lot of that stuff personal. And uh, sometimes you need that. So, you know, it's one of those things where if it was me today to win the world title, I'd be a completely different wrestler, I feel and performer that's winning the world title, but, you know, it was amazing. It was a dream come true.
2: Now, was that rumor actually true? Because that was out there, that that it was in your contract, almost a la uh, The Big Show years ago in the WWE, that it was in his contract that he had to win the world title. Was that true, or is that just made no.
1: up? No. No, of course it's made up. Adam Pierce's one on record as saying that I was supposed to win it if Tyler was leaving or not, so.
2: Huh, it was just funny. funny it there, was one yeah, yeah. You you hear it and you're like, that can't be true. You know what I mean? But obviously, I gotta ask, uh, you know I gotta find out the real truth.
1: <laughs> yeah, of
2: course. Um, th- yeah, that that was a weird rumor. But obviously, you had some great matches with the guys that aren't in um, ROH anymore. Now they're in uh, TNA. But Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, you guys had some wars. Wasn't like working with those guys. I mean, they have a very similar style to you, where physicality and emotion and aggression is is a big part of you know what they do
1: yeah uh I enjoyed it man the stuff with Davey was what it was I mean there there were some good contests and you know we pushed each other and we we have really good in-ring chemistry which uh is pretty interesting just because you know we're not the bestest of friends but it's one of those things you realize in this business that you don't have to be best friends with everybody to perform on that level with them. And you know, I enjoyed my matches with Davey just because we did push each other. And Eddie's one of my best friends in the world, so to do the stuff that we did together was was awesome. I mean, you never think when you you get into this the wrestling business and it's a dream of yours that you'd be able to accomplish the things that you you do, you know, and then add you know one of your best friends in there. It's pretty amazing.
2: Another guy you actually ended up having a good match with, but uh, obviously an injury followed. Was uh, AJ Styles? He's obviously one of the best wrestlers in the world now. But what happened with that match? Was it was it just he kind of boxed it, or did you put your head down? Um,
1: what happened? Yeah, with I, put, I mean, it was just one of those things where I don't know what really had happened in the sense of I may have been dinged. I may not have. I I don't completely remember, you know, leading up to that, but I just know, like, when he went to hook my arm, he had missed it. I thought he had missed it, but I looked over to make sure he got it, and by the time I looked, he was going, and just went all natural reaction then, and I just looked right down. And it was one of those things where, you know, people can say what they want about it, but in the heat of the moment, it just... You know, it was a mistake and I got lucky that it didn't
2: end up worse than it did. Oh yeah. And what do you feel about uh, AJ right now cuz he seems to be at the top of his game as well. I mean, he's dominating in New Japan Pro Wrestling and he's been great for uh, Ring of Honor as well.
1: Uh I man, I think AJ is amazing. And to wrestle him, you know, from years ago to now is like it's completely Different wrestler, but I, you know, I would hope to think he would say the same about me. And I think he is killing it. And I'd like to like to see myself, you know, you know, looking across the ring from him at some point here soon,
2: and uh, let's battle it out. <laughs> I would love to see it now. If I could, if I could just rewind back, because it's such an interesting story, how you kind of got into the business now. Your dad was actually I believe training, and who or i believe it was it was it Jim the ample knightheart that you know uh sparked your training yeah, my dad uh
1: my dad was training, and my parents were separated at the time, so they didn't he couldn't afford a babysitter, so he's like, okay, you're coming to wrestling training with me, and obviously as a twelve year old kid that's like heaven,
0: <laughs> so yeah,
1: I had the opportunity to go and watch him you know train three days a week. And then eventually after a little bit, Jim was like, Hey, do you want to get in the ring? And I was like, Oh my God, of course I do. And just to like, the minute I touched the ropes and I touched the ring, I was absolutely hooked. Since then I was telling my dad, I was like, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And it was one of those situations where I didn't have like the best upbringing, so Kind of when you find something like that and someone tells you that you're good at it, you get a a strong emotional attachment to it. And, you know, that was just something that from that day forward, the first time I stepped in the ring, I told myself that I would work as hard as possible to become one of the best
2: at this ever. If you really think about it, that is one of the greatest stories as far as getting into the business. Uh, I almost, like, jealous, like, oh, my God, I wish my dad, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously different circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it was – Yeah, it's, wish he would
1: have yeah it's, it's funny how unfortunate
2: situations can
1: create such fortunate ones, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. And was Jim Anvil nighthawk very – like, Was you know, he's got a little bit of a reputation being you know, somewhat crazy. Um, was he a good trainer?
1: I think I think for the basics, yeah and attention to details on a bigger level. I mean, with me being 12, I mean, I can only, you know, pick up so much, but I always remember the little things of, you know, making contact, you know, working for the big arenas. You know, physical fitness was huge to him. That kind of stuff, real Japanese-style training. And, you know, that, to me, that it, that was some of the most important stuff because it was all attention to detail. And that is stuff that has always been a very big focus of mine, footwork, conditioning, you know, the basics.
2: When you got a little bit older, who was mostly responsible for your training? Was it still Jim gymnast or was it somebody else that was really... uh... No,
1: I mean, it was a mixed... I never had, like, a traditional training system that I went through. So it was kind of... You know, Jim, we were at gyms, and then, you know, Warlord came around. No, people would come around. And then once we stopped going there, then, you know, got an opportunity to work with Prince Ikea quite a bit. Uh, and then I started doing shows when I was young. So I got a chance to wrestle with, like, Hector Guerrero, Tony Mamaluke. You know, doing these shows and just meeting these people. And a lot of it is self taught, believe it or not. Uh, and just picking up and, and just watching people, I'm a I'm a big visual learner, so I sit and I watch, a, you know,
2: in person like a lot of wrestling. Now, if I could skip uh, back forward a little bit, because we mentioned it briefly about TNA, and how I believe it was 2005, maybe a little bit into 2006, and I believe it was again in 2010, you just had brief stints with them. Did you enjoy your time with TNA and did you ever plan on, you know, you know, um, getting a contract with them and staying with them or, you know, they're not really on your radar per se as some company that you'd want a long-term deal with? Well, I did have a contract with them in 2005. Oh, okay. And yeah.
1: And then that was when me and Aries and Alex Shelley were doing generation next there. (laughs) Excuse me. And, uh, then me and Aries got suspended for a month and a half. And it was one of those things where they they offered me a new contract and, you know, Ring of Honor offered me a contract. And, you know, to me, that was just a better situation, was Ring of Honor, because I just didn't feel like I could personally grow there at the time. I mean, I obviously loved my experience there. I got a chance to work with a lot of my friends on national television. And... You know, got my name out there a little bit, and it really, really helped me. And, you know, my time was great. And then in 2010, I just did a, I did a, like a trial match for for them. And, you know, it was a possibility of going back there, but things didn't work out. And I'm a big believer that things, you know, really happened for a reason. So,
0: you know, here we sit
1: to this day where I'm having the best year of my career, and I'm still with, with Ring of Honor.
2: And with that four-month uh, suspension that you just mentioned, the rumor was you guys were like obscenely late for a show or something. Was that true, or, or is that, an, again, another you know BS rumor that's just out there?
1: No, I mean, we were suspended for a month and a half, two months. Yeah, we were suspended for two months. And then they brought me back like a half a month early. But hey. it, it was something that they knew that we were going to be late. And, we only, we I mean, we ended up being like four hours late but they knew it was just at the time it was a power play. Just kind of like, hey, listen, we should be your main priority. And for me, man, I'm young. That's 10 years ago. I mean, I was 21 years old at the time. I mean, I'm just trying to make everybody happy. I'm just happy that I can, you know, be a professional wrestler for a living. I don't want to make anybody mad. And then that was like one of those lessons you learn. You're like, oh, wow, you really can't make everybody happy. So, I mean, it was super unfortunate that it had to go down like that. But, like I said,
2: you know, things happen for a reason. Definitely. And if I could also, I wanted to mention uh, your time in Japan. I mean, you wrestled for Dragon Gate, obviously, and uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. Do you enjoy the Japanese fans? Like, you hear from a lot of the different wrestlers that we've interviewed. Some of them like it over there. Some of them don't like it. Some of them say the crowds are different, but what was your perception of wrestling in Japan? I love it. I love it. It is one of the it's one of those
1: things that I can't wait to go back and I hope I go back soon. So it I like it being different. I, I wouldn't want it to be like an American crowd. I mean to earn their respect over there is a big deal. And to establish yourself as a star over there is is huge. And that's, you know, something Even though I've done some really good stuff over there, establishing myself as a star over there would be one of the number one goals I've set for myself to do in the next year.
2: That's a lofty goal, but I think with the new Japan Ring of Honor connection, I feel like being that you're wrestling all these big guys over here, I think it's just almost going to be a a 100% guarantee that they're going to send you over there to Japan. And, you know, have a great run over there, just like they they sent over Elgin and O'Reilly and uh, the Kingdom, you know, and so on. So I I think you probably are headed over there sometime soon, I would hope.
1: Yeah, we'll see.
2: Now, Now, we're talking about unique crowds, and obviously Japan is a unique crowd. But also over there in California with PWG, that is an extremely, you know, a uh, different crowd. Uh, you know, they're, they're always enthusiastic. They're always into the show. But what's it like? Obviously, the current PWG champion. But What's it like wrestling for a, a PWG, a company like that? Is it just like nothing but fun?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, everyone's there to party. You know, they understand what professional wrestling is, and they're there to have fun. And I think that kind of of attitude is contagious. You know, and I think the wrestlers go out and you know try to give them their money's worth because they know those people are there to sit there, stand up, you know, dodge out of the way, get drunk, yell at you, play their part, and go home happy. And I think uh, you know all around it's a good relationship when it comes to the fans and the wrestlers.
2: A totally unique matchup for you in uh, PWG, actually, and. Um, also in uh, Evolve as well was that Zach Saber Jr. What's it like wrestling him? I mean, a lot of people might not be too familiar with him unless you know, you're a hardcore fan, but he is an extremely talented, great technical wrestler.
1: Yeah, he is. I, you know, I think he told him this to me. He's like a young Nigel, and you know, I think he's only going to get better. And I don't know. He's amazing. He is amazing, and I hope. Hope he has the opportunity to wrestle over here more, you know, next year, and just really establish himself as a star over here.
2: Now, as uh, we start to wind it down a little bit here, I, I had to ask you a question because I was – I forget when exactly it was. I know it was it was a few months ago, but I was in uh, New York City for this, and it was for Evolve, and you were wrestling through Galloway in, in the steel cage. And I wasn't quite sure, you know, how the match was going to go. But then, you know, by the time it's over, I'm like, wow, that was a great, just like vicious, uh, intense brawl between you two. And it feels like every time I'm at a damn show, you're stealing the show, which is funny. It's like, man, is Robert Strong going to be the best match on the card again? But, you know, it happened. And you and Galloway, you know, knocked it out of the park that night. But what was it like um, feuding with Drew? Because I know you guys had many, many uh, tough, hard battles throughout Evolve. It was great. You see, it's funny. There's like a
1: uh, there's like a thing that in all of these feuds or these matchups, you know, that you know make them so great is just how real and reactive it is between me and my opponent. And Drew's another guy. I mean, we had no idea how it was going to be wrestling for the first time, and and it's not like we were buddies or anything. We just kind of went in there and then you, you know, we earned each other's respect. And it was one of those things where like, all right, every time we go out there, I'm going to push you. And I hope you push me too, because we want to put on the best product that we possibly can.
2: And, you know, it was a
1: pleasure working with Drew and I was, I was happy, you know, something came out of nothing because it was just supposed to be a one-off matchup. And I was very happy with, uh, you know, how everything went down. And he helped make me a better, you know, wrestler and a better character.
2: This is kind of a weird question because it was just a thought that popped into my head about that view, but when it was originally proposed to you, did you think that you guys were going to be able to have like good matches per se? Because him coming from the WWE style and you being a very physical wrestler, which is kind of against that style, did you think that he'd be able to transition so well?
1: You know Trent Beretta told me that he was awesome, and I said to him, "Well, I'll judge when I wrestle him," because I always (laughs) heard he was physical, and to me that was, you know, I was like, okay, and just you know once we met and had an opportunity to talk, and like I kind of got like what kind of wrestler he was, you know, his mentality and stuff, and there was no doubt, there was no doubt that we would uh, have good chemistry. And the physicality and just, you know, thought process and, you know, so, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't shocked, but, but where it ended up going was, you know, just something that just naturally ended up happening. And, and that's one of the things I love about wrestling.
2: Yeah. You guys ended up having some great, great matches. And like I said, I was there for the cage match. That was great. And then you guys had the blow off, which was also great, um, but what's it like with uh, Gabe Sapolsky through the years? Because obviously, with ROH, he brought you in, Major Gen X, and now with Evolve, he's you know obviously the head Booker over there as well, and he's been giving you high praise after high praise. But what's been you know what's been a, the relationship between you guys for the last ten, eleven, twelve years?
1: Man, it's been good. It's one of those that you know off the bat, I've had a ton of respect for Gabe, and you know. It, it seems as if I've earned his, and he gave me opportunity, and opportunity is all I can ask for. And he put me, you know, in the, in these in these places to to highlight myself and to succeed and be in the forefront. And he did that, and to help me help me learn, you know, Not a lot of crash course. You just got to kind of learn on the job, and be in these high profile matches with these amazing guys that were going to help shape me and mold me into the wrestler I'm going to be 10 years later. And then, you know, having the opportunity to go to Evolve and kind of do the stuff that I did with him was uh, was awesome. And it kind of showed him, like, hey, man, your trust and your faith in me wasn't for nothing, you know. you know, I'm going to give you the best me that I possibly can and to help Evolve and, you know, put the best matches out I possibly can. So, I mean, I love Gabe. He did a lot for me, and just the fact that he trusted me was big.
2: Now, something I always ask—obviously, like, you know, a veteran of your status, somebody who's had great matches with Punk, Danielson, and you've been in there with Joe and AJ and Chris Hero and all these other great wrestlers. But do you have a favorite match, or maybe favorite matches that he's had of all time?
1: Man, there's so many of them. They're all different in you know different ways for me. But I can't, I mean, it's hard for me to, to pick, to pick, like, a certain one. But I would say, I've always say like, if, you know, like, the purest ROH match, me and, you know, Jamie Noble, but, like, emotionally for me, I'd say me versus Eddie Edwards when he beat me for the world title. Because, like I said, Eddie's one of my best friends, and to be a part of that was, uh, was amazing. You know, just to see someone accomplish something like that. So and to hear the reaction of the the crowd and it was one of those things where it was like shit man, you do you deserve it, you've earned this and uh it was one of those things where you like you're throwing a surprise party for for 'em and you know, you're not sure how it's gonna go and it just goes better than you could ever plan. And that <laughs> was uh, one of those situations.
2: Well said, definitely. And almost kind of on that same level, but do you have a favorite opponent? Obviously, you and Brian Daniels have great chemistry. You and, uh, like we mentioned, uh, Jamie Noble, James Gibson had great chemistry. But do you have a favorite opponent, someone you just love getting in there with? I do not. There's too many of them. There's too <laughs> many. There's
1: absolutely too many. And that's yeah, that's know. the best problem to have. Like, that I've been lucky enough to wrestle with all these amazing
2: guys, and
1: uh, it's awesome.
2: I was going to say you definitely don't have a shortage or have a problem with uh, finding, you know, a good opponent, for sure. No, not at all. (laughs) Do you have a dream match out there that you'd love to wrestle? Like, some guy you haven't wrestled, but always were like, man, I would love to wrestle that guy.
1: I mean, Obushi I haven't I haven't wrestled him before in a singles matchup. Uh, that'd be one. Obviously, a real matchup with Kurt Angle, John Michaels. I mean, there's a list of them, but you know, Kota is one of the guys that I really want to get my hands on
2: in this next year. He's another guy from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling that is just lighting it up right now. Now I gotta ask you one question. Um, I actually hate asking it to uh, certain guys because I just feel like it's just a generic question that all the, uh, you know, the, the not as smart interviewers would ask. But I guess I feel like I have to ask it. But would you ever consider, or is it a goal of yours to go to WWE or, or be on NXT, or is that just not a part of the plan for you? Ah, man,
1: I, of course. Who doesn't want to go to WWE? So, you know, it, it's still it may be part of the plan and maybe not part of the plan. It's just uh, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a <laughs> year. You know. <laughs>
2: Now, would you, obviously, I guess you would consider it if, if you know, if the year was up and you in Ring of Honor, you know, it wasn't bringing you back, you would consider, I guess, would you mind going to NXT first or would you think that you should just be put on the main roster?
1: Oh, none of that ma- matters to me, man. I just want to be where, I'm a,
2: I'm a team player.
1: What's best for them is best for me. You know, I'm one of those people that I just want an opportunity to do what I do and show it off to the world. You know, so, I mean, that doesn't matter to me.
2: Now, one final question for me. I know I asked you a million questions, but I just got one final question, and we like to call it the g d p question since that's the way he, he, he prefaced it. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Man, that's unpredictable, but
1: I say I'm having the best run of my career.
2: I like that. I like the sound of that. Now, with, um, obviously, upcoming shows with Ring of Honor, the 21st in Philly, the 22nd in New York and Brooklyn, you have a match with Jay Liesel and you have a match with Okada, but can you also just give us some plugs of where we can find anything we need to find Roddy Strong?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Roderick Strong, Instagram at Roderick Strong, Facebook, at Roderick Strong, all of them. And, uh, you know, on Twitter, I'll either post stuff or re- retweet stuff uh, of upcoming events. And that's about it. And also you can go to com slash Roderick Strong and, you know, get that Mount Rushmore 2.0 shirt. <laughs>
2: Can't forget about uh, PWG there. And of course, in September, big pay-per-view, All-Star Extravaganza will be happening in San Antonio, Texas. And obviously, you're going to be a big, big part of that show.
1: That's the plan. Roddy,
2: Roddy, I want to thank you so much for, you know, time with me today. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for the interview.
1: Hey, thank you very much, dude. All
2: right, man. You have a good one.
1: All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
2: All right. All right. Have a good Bye. night.